Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordane Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And today we have such a treat for you. We are doing 1997's Fools Rush In, directed by Andy Tennant, who also directed previous episodes Hitch and Sweet Home Alabama, as well as future, definitely the future episode, The Bounty Hunter, which like every once in a while, I feel like we mentioned The Bounty Hunter and then we still don't do it. I don't, I feel like we're both like, when's the exact right time to do The That's- Bounty Hunter? Super true, because when you said The Bounty Hunter, I was like, yeah, we have talked about The Bounty Hunter, but we have not actually done an episode talking about The Bounty Hunter. Maybe this is a sign that it needs to be one of our New Year's picks after we do all the holiday ones. Absolutely, absolutely. Also directed Ever After, It Takes Two, which is, you know, the best Mary-Kate Nash movie. It's High art. It is high art. Fool's Gold, Anna and the King, which is the bad King and I movie with Jodie Foster and Chow Young Fat. Like this is a guy who has been he's been doing it. He's been in the romance game for a while. And surprise, surprise, this was written by two women, Catherine Rebeck and Joan Taylor. Joan Taylor, most known as an actress, she was in like a lot of like low budget like b genre movies so i love this for her i love that she that she co-wrote i love i love this for her too she got to have some fun with this one yeah this is a film that i've never seen that i mean this is the first time seeing it and it's one of those that was like always on tbs and i was like and it was just like fools rush in and I thought it was just like they always kind of set it in a kind of like I don't know like Sinatra era just like now coming up <laughs> now we have saxophone uh, and fog <laughs> you know for some reason everyone's wearing a fedora but in a 1930s way yeah <laughs> yeah I had never I had never seen it I have been vaguely aware of it there have always been like two Matthew Perry well there's like there are a few Matthew Perry rom-coms and I'm sure that we're gonna get to the well the whole nine yards and the whole ten yards which are kind of rom-coms like crime rom-coms I love watching those movies actually I love a crime I can't, rom-com. I, can't. I think that's one of those niche genres that I really connect to yeah crime and love oh my god yeah and of course he did serving sarah with elizabeth hurley which we will definitely be doing and i almost considered us doing serving sarah but i chose to do this one first because it's the holidays and you know matthew perry everybody knows matthew perry he he was on that that white show that everybody watched (laughs) i have i have you know that white show in New York? <laughs> I I truly have no idea what it is called. Wait, have we done them? No, we haven't. Because we haven't done Three to Tango. That's another one. That's another one that... Did we? I don't know. Gonna... No, we've done three some, but we haven't done Three to Tango. Right, we have not done Three to Tango. Okay, so eventually he'll come up for a while at some point. You know, people thought that he was a leading man and then... They slowly realized that he was not. I mean, and part of it is just that, like, 
he just doesn't have leading man energy and you can kind of tell in this movie <laughs> that he yeah, doesn't like, i actually i'm gonna I'm, if we have any Friends fans listening, which statistically I'm sure we do because there's a lot of people who like oh, Friends. Oh, is that what that um, show's called? <laughs> I've heard. That's what I've okay. heard. <laughs> I am going to give the controversial opinion that I actually think Fool's Russian is Matthew Perry's best performance that I've seen. I was never into Friends. I think I, I've seen four episodes total. Mm. But I, I mean, I've seen bits here and there, so I, I get his deal. And I've seen him in other movies. And I think this is the best performance I've seen from him. And that does not mean that it's a performance that is incredible or knocks it out of the park as far as acting or rom-coms in general. But I think for him, this is the peak I've seen, which says a lot. Could be complimentary. It could be negative. Depends on how you how you spin it. <laughs> But that's that's my hot take. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love him in the whole nine yards and the whole ten yards. But in terms of, like, I guess, like, emotional range, this is the hardest yeah. that he has ever tried, it seems like. This is a movie that has, like, a silly premise, but it's generally executed very seriously which I was not expecting I really wasn't expecting it to be as serious as it is like I expected it to be sillier and really all of this and but I do appreciate that the silliness that does come is all from the white people whereas like the Mexican people are just they are just fucking chilling which brings us to our other lead Selma Hayek who I actually don't know if we've talked about her on the podcast yet I don't know but she I I don't think we have which feels weird because she's in a lot of romantic movies a lot of them aren't comedies they're more action or drama but I think this is her first appearance on the podcast and I love I love to see her she I mean she's incredible like you couldn't she is just there are so many (laughs) Selma Hayek roles like like it's so like okay some of my favorites Desperado she's great in From Dust Till Dawn even though I don't really like that movie that much Frida of course she's incredible in that I really love her in Dogma I think that she's great in the Spy Kids movies um, there's like a small film from a couple of years ago called Beatrice at Dinner that she's very good at. And essentially like White Lotus is basically, from what I can tell, like just like a longer version of that. And it's also written by Mike White. It's just like, and she just like plays like this, this Latina woman who is like, uh, you know, she's a domestic worker and she's at dinner with all of these white people (laughs) who are, you know, acting how you would expect them to act. Yes, how you would expect money group of white people who've never examined anything (laughs) to act. (laughs) But yeah, she's been in, she's been in so many films. She's incredible in all of them. Like even like Wild Wild West, like Wild Wild West, not a good movie. Selma Hayek in Wild Wild West, however. Oh yeah. And that's, I feel like that is one of the, one of the things that really sets her apart as an actress is that she will elevate any role she's in it does not matter she's in movies that are objectively good and and beloved by many and she's in movies that maybe aren't but anytime she's on screen she is fully in she it never feels like she's there for a paycheck it always feels like she is acting 
and she is gonna bring everything to it she's gonna bring everything to the table which I think it's interesting having her across from Matthew Perry because in my admittedly not entrenched in Matthew Perry opinion he's someone who I've often felt just kind of phones it in and I mean some of that could be said about anyone who's in a sitcom for longer than five seasons, there's a point where you're kind of just doing the same emotions over and over again because it's like, you know, punchline. Well, what what I think is really interesting is that I feel like she, in this film, really pushes him to be better. Like, yeah. he really has to rise to meet her. Like, she's doing real work she's like crying she's talking about emotions like and a lot of her dialogue is actually really great and like thoughtful it's one of the few times where when I'm watching a rom-com and I'm thinking about what the conflict is and fully understanding what the conflict is and fully being on her side the entire time never straight she was right everything about everything Absolutely. Yeah. And I I really feel like this movie does honor her character. And so much of that comes back to her performance. But I also think the writing and Matthew Perry, I think if this was a movie that was tweaked in a couple ways and cast differently, I don't know if Matthew Perry would have performed as well as he did. I think you're right. I think Salma Hayek was like, no, we're doing this. We are actually doing this movie. And we're going to make it, we're going to try to bring it to the highest you know, plain it can go with the script. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is kind of like a stereotypical story, of course, you know, it's white guy, New York. He, he makes clubs. He, he like creates Does I don't understand what part of it he does. He doesn't design the clubs. He opens the club. I guess running a club is a kind of, it just seems like one of those like white jobs that I'm just like, really? It's very much just- a fake job. <laughs> it's very much a fake job. Cause at first when I saw him on the construction site, I was like, is he the foreman? But he's never dressed to actually do construction work. And he doesn't actually appear to know anything. It seems like he's the red tape guy. Like he knows about, all of the specific rules he's not he's not a foreman he's not a construction worker he's not an architect he's not even the person at the company who's like yes we're going to build this he's just the guy who's like oh in las vegas we can only have windows this tall but he's bad at it <laughs> he like constantly leaves his coworkers hanging so he's supposed to be making sure everything's up to code so that they don't get caught but like it very much feels like he's just a guy who sends emails from the construction site. <laughs> yeah, I was very weird. Like, and it's also just strange, like how seriously he takes his job because I'm just like, dude, like you're not, you're not changing the world. You're just opening clubs. Like, can we, and he just acts like it's so, I mean, I would just rather him just act like a regular asshole about it it's like yeah man I don't do shit and I get paid so much money (laughs) oh yeah I would respect him a lot more if he just was like yeah this is pretty ridiculous but who's gonna say no Uh, yeah yeah so he so he and his buddy um John Tenney get this opportunity to open a club in New Mexico and so they move over there and he's in line for the bathroom and Selma Hayek is there and she's on the phone with her boyfriend who is a cop named Troy. 
And she's like, I saw a sign and we're not supposed to be together. And I would like love to be friends. Like she said, basically saying, I'm not going to marry you, which is also the beginning. I was thinking about how that's like in the stars born when, <laughs> when Gaga is in the bathroom and she's like breaking up with some guy that we never meet. <laughs> yeah, it is very similar, especially with the whole theater of it all, because they really, the movie really gives that moment time. It's like, no, this is the meet cute. This is the pinnacle moment in which, she is available to even meet him. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, I was surprised that they front-loaded it that way because then we we still end up meeting Chewie. Not that it, like, really amounts to a lot, but we do meet him, so it's just like, I don't know, man. We could have waited. But she gets off the phone, and she... <laughs> And she runs into Matthew Perry and there's like this, she gives like this whole, so something, something bathroom, something, something fate brought us together. And he was just like, oh, brought us together for what? And she was just like, so that I could be ahead in line <laughs> so that I don't have to wait in line. I don't, it was, it was really nice because <laughs> she just like. Well, it was she funny because she totally, like, led him on in the best way. Like, she was fully trolling him because he heard, he overheard her on the phone dumping Chewie. And on the phone, she said to Chewie that she felt like there was a sign that she needed to leave him. And so he asks, apropos of nothing, he's just like, hey, lady, I was listening to you on the phone. Are you religious or is that a cultural thing that, you know, you pay attention to signs? And she's like, well, I am religious and I do believe in signs. And, you know, I, I believe that we all have our lives set out before us, that we all have a, a destiny that's, you know, pre predetermined. And so I'm just looking for the signs to continue on my path. And so she's going on this kind of beautiful explanation of her faith, which the movie does make clear is truly how she does view the world. But she's totally trolling him in this moment. So she goes on this long diatribe about like, you know, and if it wasn't for Destiny, we wouldn't even be meeting right now. And she, of course, there's a long line for the bathroom and she's just trying to cut him. And he's like, wow. And and of course, she's deeply attractive at Salma Hayek. So he's just like, wow. So what does this mean? Like, And she's like, I mean, I think the universe had us meet so that I could go to the bathroom before you. And then she just cuts <laughs> in front and goes in. And it's it's beautiful. It's A plus trolling. And of course he's smitten because it's Salma Hayek. He's like, please be mean to me more. I'd love that. (laughs) He's like, step on me with your faith. I would love that. Of course. Of course. And Oh yeah. We forgot to talk about the opening. We talked about Matthew Perry in the opening being, you know, business Vince, Vincent Adultman at the business factory, but she is like, She's just like in Nevada. Her like her hair is wavy. Like she's in just like this like beautiful top. Looks like something that she wore in Desperado or Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And she's just like talking to these two kids, and they're like, they're just like, oh my god, you're so beautiful, and like, oh my god, like I would love to marry you. And are you going to marry the cop? And then she's just like, I. I don't know. And so then when you see her on the phone, it's like, well, she made, she made the decision. And it's like, it's such a beautiful way to, and I love that this movie is aware of how gorgeous she is because in so many rom-coms, it's just like, oh, there's like something wrong. Like she's pretty, but like she's clumsy or like blah, 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 blah. And there's none of that here. She 
is fucking gorgeous and a perfect creature and everyone knows it and nobody fucking bullshits around this (laughs) oh yeah for sure this movie does not nag her at all when it comes to how beautiful she is and it fully and and also honestly i mean there's obviously moments of objectification but they're mostly from the perspective of Matthew Perry's co-worker who is just like, you know, a classic kind of douchey guy who says gross things. But for the most part, the movie doesn't feel like it objectifies her. It's just like, yeah, look at her. Wow. But it it doesn't have gratuitous male gaze shots in the way that it very much could, because I feel like often these movies go on one of two extremes. It's either here's a really beautiful woman, but we're going to tell you why she's not beautiful and why she's ridiculous and she should hate herself so that she should settle for whatever man we put her with. Or they're like, this woman's hot. She's so hot. Every shot of her is just going to be her ass. And like, there's going to be no shot where we don't remind you how much you want to have sex with her. And I felt like this movie was good at not doing either of those. It was like, no, Selma Hayek is stunning And we are not going to pretend that she's not, but also she is a person in this movie and like, we actually care about the character's feelings. And I think for a a plot that is cliche in many ways, it was good at escaping some of those traps. Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. So they have a, they have a beautiful, passionate night together. Although like, we don't really get to see like the passion, but we do see is her... (laughs) in the morning trying to get out from under him and it's one of those scenes that like you usually see when when like this character is the protagonist but she's not but it's like this this one scene from her perspective where she's just like i need to get the fuck out from under this white man and very relatable scene for me oh yeah I mean it was very funny because it did capture that feeling like when you have a one night stand or you hook up with someone you don't know and you wake up and they're kind of you're still cuddled but you're like oh shit I'm still cuddled with this person and I like they are literally on me and I need to go to work or I need to go do my life and she's just like trying to she doesn't know him well enough so you can't just like push someone to the side and be like wake up get off of me because like you don't know what they're like really so you're just like I'm gonna slither out like a spy yeah yeah she does and then she disappears and she's gone for like a month or so and then she comes back and she's just like hey I'm pregnant I'm like I don't want anything from you or whatever I'm just pregnant okay bye and then he's but then he's like, but no, but like, I've been looking for you and you didn't leave me your number. And it was such a beauty. I mean, that is the correct response to having fucked Selma Hayek. Like, the, yeah. Yeah, he's been thinking about her. He's been trying to get in contact. So she, so he's just like, can I do anything? Whatever. And I love, I love when he's just like, I believe in a woman's right to choose. And then she's like, great, because I choose to keep the baby. <laughs> Yes, yes. (laughs) I feel like that is such a classic, that's a classic moment in some of these movies where it's like the only time a lot of these movies will be pro-choice is just when a man is freaking out and being like, yeah, I believe in abortion. (laughs) Like like the rest of the time, most rom-coms are very anti-choice. It's only from the man's perspective that it's okay. 
Yeah. I mean, the, this movie's not being prescriptive in that way at all. It's she's just genuinely like, I want to have a baby, which is totally valid. But it is funny that this is su- that's su- a, such a pattern that I've noticed is they'll be like, oh yeah, abortion does exist, but only when the man's freaking out about it. Yeah, and you know, he's Matthew Perry. He's doing the, once again, I don't know what that show is, but I hear that he does the whole like nervous thing and it's like, oh no, I don't know. And you know, he does a he does a whole lot of that. And like, um, but she's like, okay, you can do one thing for me. You can come, you can meet my family and then you're gonna go away forever. It's, it's just so that when I start to show, I can be like, hey, you know, you actually met the father. It was this guy. Anyway, he's gone. Um, <laughs> which I think is like, I get it. Like, it's it's very charitable of her to even like bring him around because because she's just constantly she's she has this look on her face like this white man, like he doesn't know what he's getting into and like I don't feel like holding his hand, but whatever. <laughs> I feel like she kind of enjoys watching him flounder. Like oh, I definitely yeah. think I think there is the charitable part of her that's like, yeah, I'll let you have a chance to, you know, understand who your child is gonna grow up with, who my child is gonna grow up with, and you know, give you a chance to make a good impression, even though we're not gonna be together. But I also think there's definitely a part of her that's like this fucking businessman, let's see how he handles hanging out with everyone (laughs) and so she has like these like family dinners that are apparently weekly and we show up and it's got the whole crew I was so I was so jealous personally whenever I see families like this in movies I'm just like man (laughs) this is so like not only is the whole crew there but but Troy is there and there's like a whole moment where (laughs) Um, where Truett meets him and it's obvious that like, you know, there's like a little tension there, but then Troy, who was like, aside from being a cop, generally a good guy in this movie and really doesn't, like you keep on waiting for him to like do something and he's just very respectful. And it's, I actually really appreciate that because it's very realistic in the sense that if he really wants to be with her, if he really thinks that it's endgame, he's not going to do anything to fuck up their relationship. And you can tell the look on his face. He doesn't think it's going to last, but he's going to just stand back and like, let it burn. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Like, I I think you really do believe that he loves her. He loves her enough that he's like, okay, this hurts. And of course there's a part of him that wants to just be really mean to Matthew Perry. I'm sure, but he doesn't show it. He's, he's being polite. He's also friends with her family. So I also think there's that incentive of, I don't want to cut off a whole part of my community um, because I'm hurt. So I'm just going to let her make her choices and hopefully she'll realize what she's missing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and then we get more of Matthew Perry's, Oh no, is your dad, is he a big, and and like blah 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 blah. and then you know he meets the father and they have their whole you know the dad's just like what am I doing with my daughter that whole that whole deal (laughs) and there's just like arguments and it's because he's white I do love though that they never explicitly say this is because you're that like nobody actually says the word white I think somebody says gringo like once but nobody actually like really talks about 
the fact that he's white in the movie, which I think is interesting. But it's but it's the subtext. It's that oh, for sure, I like that too. <laughs> it doesn't spoon feed it, but also you'd have to be pretty dense to not recognize that's what's going on. That like when the family sees her bring him, they all turn and they're kind of. And they turn because on one hand, Shuey's there. So they're like, oh boy, she's going to see her ex-fiance now. She's here with some white guy. But then it's also like, wait, this white guy, really? <laughs> it's like, it, yeah. And of course, there's the classic, he's like, oh, wow, I didn't know people talked at family dinner. And there's kind of the classic I... tropes of like the, you know, the waspy, unemotional, you know, unloving family versus like the large mexican family full of love and food and so like but you believe yeah, it with him no, you know yeah. like it makes sense like when, it's not it doesn't feel forced it feels like yeah that seems accurate for these characters yeah i actually really loved that's like my favorite line delivery it was just like i, I didn't know that there are families who talked at dinner i was like yeah dude <laughs> like neither did i <laughs> you know i i I get that. And yeah. when, and when he talks about how good the tamales are, you really he's just so thankful. I love that he's not weird about the food. He's like he at, he's white that he's the kind of white where he can appreciate food that was not made for white people. And I and I really I respect that cuz he could have been a fucking weirdo about it. And now he's just like but instead he's just like, "Oh my god." can't get good Mexican in New York, which I mean, he's not wrong. He's definitely not wrong. <laughs> and it's funny. He like, there's this moment. So before they arrive at the party, Selma Hayek warns him that one of her aunts um, can only hear out of one ear. And so he needs to talk louder. And of course, because there's so many people, he's not keeping track. So he tries to yell a compliment about tamales to one of her aunts, but it's the wrong aunt. And then you see that aunt in Spanish ask another person, why is he yelling at me? <laughs> They're like, oh, he thinks you're Rosa. And she just like smiles and basically just lets him yell. Like she like gets him to yell more because she thinks it's funny. And I loved that moment. I felt like it was a great moment of the family, not not like rejecting him, but just like teasing him in a very realistic way. Like, oh, this guy doesn't know what's going on. Let's have fun with this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. of course, like, going to meet her family even though the whole premise of this meeting is you're gonna meet them and then when I tell them that I'm pregnant they'll know who the dad is not it's not we're gonna actually be together of course this is all it takes for Matthew Perry to fall for her because of course it's Selma Hayek he just had this bonding road trip with her and her family this is one of the few times in a rom-com where a character spends less than a week with someone and proclaims love and I actually believe it it doesn't mean that it's not infatuation. It is infatuation as well. But I do believe that he is like, he, yeah, this is love. Yeah. I, I, I mean, believe his and, character. I mean, yeah, I totally believe it. But I also recognize that it's coming from a place of a white man. And I've experienced this being in such intense, like, culture shock, but in a positive way. That he's just like, I need to be around this. This is going to change the entire like context of my life i can't go back now and so part of it's his love for her and all and part of it's also just like this will take me down a different path than i thought i would go down absolutely yeah because he even says he's like i didn't know that people could be like this which is like wow 
<laughs> um, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I definitely think there's this element of, oh, there's another way to be. And it, it kind of shows just how privileged and ignorant he's been. But then it's also, there's also a genuine aspect, but, and there's a little bit of like, you know, there's infatuation and I don't know if fetishizing is the right word in this instance, but there's, there's a little bit of like romanticizing in a way that's easy to do if you are separate from a culture, you know, where he's just like, wow, magic. And she's like, okay, chill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she's done, but he's just like, no, we got to get married. And so they go to the chapel and they get married and have a really like lovely honeymoon period. It's one of those, it's, it's, I just, I guess I have a lot of compliments for this movie, even though I don't like it all, like it, like it's weird. I I like it, but it's like, I'm probably not going to watch it again, but the, the honeymoon scenes are like actually really believable. I believe that they are in love and it's like, wow, a montage can actually look good. Imagine. (laughs) Yeah. It's a montage that like when you break down what's in the montage, it is corny just by nature of what it is, but you, they, they are playing in the corn. You believe it. (laughs) And so of course he has not throughout this whole time. So he's been building this club in Nevada And he has not told her that he actually lives in New York and he's just there for a few months, which seems like a big thing to miss, especially because he's one of those guys who talks about New York. Like he has kind of a classic person who didn't grow up in New York, but talks about it in the most basic way. Like he has to bring it up. He's like, well, there's hot dogs there. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) He, he has not told her that he's actually going to live in New York. So when they get married and everything, She's thinking, okay, we're going to be in Nevada. I have family nearby. And he's thinking, oh, she's going to come back to New York with me. And that's, of course, a big conflict that comes up is that conversation where she's like, I don't want to move to New York. I have everyone here. I'm pregnant. I have my family. You're already here. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to have work here much longer. I have to go back to the yeah, city. Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting thing because like emotionally, if we're going by emotional logic, he should move there because he's because she's very close to her family and he's not like you meet his parents later and they barely talk um so like that that makes sense but yeah i mean the the work issue is definitely a problem however he's rich so they can fly a lot i don't know this is hard because i've never i've never had to deal with this and whenever I see it in movies I really don't know what the right thing to do is but her being taken away from her family seems like it could be kind of traumatic for her especially since she is going to be raising a child and you know like that's when you want to be around your family is when you're raising a child yeah I kind of I I thought about the rich thing too I was like it why couldn't they be kind of I mean Nevada's not on the coast, but you know, bi-coastal, like that kind of lifestyle. I feel like he he would make enough money that if she wanted to go see her family every month for a weekend, or if she wanted to spend a month there and then a month in New York, he could fly back and forth and hang out with her in Las Vegas on the weekends and then go back to work and they could make it happen. She could stay with her family when she visits. You know, I, I feel like it's something that's workable. Obviously it's not simple because once you bring any kind of long distance into a relationship, it makes it more complicated, but it felt, it just feels like his character has enough money that this 
is very solvable without her having to leave her family indefinitely or him losing his job. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's an actual conflict. I mean, the problem is though is that they don't really they're they have like a, a fundamental communication problem. And it's just because he is just like yes. a basic white man and she's a woman of so much substance, like more substance than he can really deal with. Like she's artistic, she's religious in a way that I think is really beautiful and not annoying at all. She's really close to her family. She's just like, it, it just becomes the situation where the real conflict of the movie is that he's not worth it. Yeah, honestly. I mean, it like, I, I think one of my big questions because obviously one of the things we focus on the most in this podcast is whether a couple in a movie has romantic chemistry, whether we believe them. I do believe that they're into each other, but I don't really understand why she's into him. And that's not me trying to be mean to him or just being biased because I love her. I just have a hard time understanding what she's into about him. I think when she first met him, she thought he was cute and she enjoyed kind of like giving him a hard time. But I don't really understand. He doesn't have no, a whole lot of personality. No, like his, he keeps on talking about his work, which is very boring. And like he adores her. And that's really it. Like he adores her. And you understand that. But you but you don't understand like what they could pop. And whenever she's like, and you can tell this whenever they're having a conversation, there's so much like context to what she is saying. And like none to his, like all he has, like all he just says is like job, 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 job. Like that's the yeah. Like you know so much about her. Like she talks about her great grandma who lives in central Mexico and in this like old house and how her grandma, how her great grandpa helped build different structures around Nevada and like she has all this family history we learn about and how close she still is to that great grandma and she loves visiting her and she wants him to come with her and she's a photographer and she's trying to make this book about the desert like she has a lot going on and I think my my the only takeaway I could take as far as why she was in him was he was very different from her ex and he was fine with her calling the shots except for when it came to the moving he was just like okay, I want to do whatever you want me to do. And I think because I think because she had a big family and a lot of people in her business, I think that was nice for her was, oh, this guy's just going to kind of let me steer. He doesn't have a bunch of people that are getting involved. And so she got to kind of drive the truck. <laughs> that That was like my only guess for why she was into him. I mean, maybe the sex was amazing. We don't really ever see it, but... Because he doesn't really, she doesn't know anything about him. He lies to her about his parents. She wants to meet his parents. He lies. He says that they're in Europe. He makes up all these excuses. She only meets one of his friends. He meets all of her family and everything. She meets his coworker and his coworker's ex-wife, Lainey, who's played by Siobhan Fallen Hogan, who I really enjoy. Who's She's really fun. Yeah, that's like, I thought that was his ex-wife. Wow. I was confused because he talks a lot about his ex-wife and then he doesn't ever talk about having a current girlfriend and you see them interact in weird ways. So I couldn't tell if she was supposed to be the co-worker 
John Tenney, John Tenney's ex-wife, or if she was like his yeah, new girlfriend. I, okay, so you were gonna because she's age appropriate, and he was very much giving the energy of a man. He yeah, would now date like, this is, olds, okay. So this, that was what was confusing me because, like, when she showed up in the movie, I was like, I love this. I'm glad she's here. This is a this is a pro Shabon Fallon podcast. Like, she's she's fucking great. But oh, yeah. I did not know where she came from. I did not know who she was in relation to anyone. I but I enjoyed her, so I was like, okay, sure, fine. <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely confused, and she becomes friends with Selma Hayek pretty quickly, which I do like. I like their friendship, and Selma Hayek will kind of vent to her and be like, "I don't really know anything about Matthew Perry, about my husband," um, and Siobhan will just kind of like say something sarcastic. Um, but they, you, you genuinely do believe that they become friends, but it is interesting because yeah, Salma Hayek wants more from Matthew Perry. She wants to know more about him. She feels like he's not fully in because he's so emotionally unavailable, which is unfortunately just the way he is. And this kind of all comes to a head when his parents, when, so, okay, there's this character played oh, by. Are we talking about that white woman? Uh, that white woman who. <laughs> Yeah, that blonde, um, that blonde lady. She's played yeah, by Suzanne she, Snyder. Man, um, I've never, you know, sometimes you just look at a woman and she looks like money. Oh my God, she's one of the girls from Weird Science. She's the blonde girl. Oh my I God. I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah I no, I mean, say. she definitely 100% looks like money. Like, she looks like cash money. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so, like, every single time I see her. And she's just kind of like chilling like once again like with Shui, i thought that she was going to be an antagonist and she's not she's just kind of walking around it's clear that she's in love with him but she's very like she's she's chill about it in the senses that she's not intrusive but like every inch of her just says don't you love me don't you want to love me don't you want to love me hi does he love me (laughs) it's just like girl yeah, it's well, it's such a weird thing because so she shows up randomly at Matthew Perry's work and she's like looking for him and he hides. He tells his coworker, he's like, oh, I got to hide. And she's like, I'm an old family friend. We never find out why he's hiding from her. Um, like it, I, the movie, it feels like the movie wants us to think she's a stalker, but we never have enough context to know like why she's stalking him or if they ever dated or if they ever had sex or if there's something crazy about her we need to learn it's just like oh isn't it weird that this woman is making a move or trying to find this old friend and then later we see her run into Salma Hayek and she well she's at dinner and she can overhear Salma Hayek talking to Siobhan Fallon Hogan and she turns and she's like wait you know you were talking about Matthew Perry like I know him and and then she finds out Salma Hayek is his wife and she's like sad and it's just weird because, like you said, Jordan, I keep expecting her to really be next level. Like, is this like a stalker who's violent? Is this, you know, somebody who is spying for his parents? And it, it's kind of like, no, it just seems like she is around and she obviously has a crush on him and we don't really know why. And she's beautiful. It's weird that he's so creeped out by her. We don't really have a reason for why because she only comes to his work once. It's not like she's everywhere he goes. But she, of course, ends up spilling the beans to his parents that he needs to that they need to go see him. She doesn't tell them that he's married, but she's like, "You need to go see what your son's up to." So they show up unexpected at the house that he now lives in 
with Salma Hayek because they still haven't really made a, a long-term decision about New York or Nevada. They're just kind of like, okay, we'll do the pregnancy here and then we'll we'll see. So they show up and they're immediately like racist white people. Like they see her and they assume that she's working there. They're like, oh, you must have a lot of great help around here. And instead of correcting them, when she's out of earshot, he just plays along. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, he's just being Well, yeah, and also, asshole. like, they're talking about the house because because uh, Soma Hayek's family came and pe- painted it to basically look like an hacienda. And it looks fucking beautiful. And they're just talking shit about it. Like, oh, you can't get any good decorators. It's like, what are you talking about? This, this place? I want to live there. It looks great. <laughs> It was beautiful. Yeah, they're like making fun of the fact that there's color on the walls. And of course, there's like a crucifix because her family's Catholic. And they're just like, what is this? And they're just so rude. And and when Salma Hayek realizes who they are, and she still doesn't know that they're thinking that she's she's working, you know, for Matthew Perry. She's immediately so sweet. She's like, oh my gosh, I've been cleaning. I'm sorry that I'm all messy. Let me go get clean up. I'm so happy to finally meet you. And they're all surprised and awkward because they don't know why this cleaning lady is so excited to meet them. And then when, when she comes back, she realizes that they have no idea who she is and she gets upset and Matthew Perry tells them the truth and they're all awkward. And then we skip forward to one of the most upsetting scenes in the movie, which is when they spend they spend an afternoon with her parents. So Matthew Perry's parents, very waspy. Yeah. With Salma Hayek's parents. And they're like on a boat Man. and it's tense. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's tense. And then basically the the dads start bonding because they think it's crazy that their kids got married so fast. So at first you think, oh, are they going to become friends because they don't agree with their kid's decision? That that could happen. And the moms are both being more chill. The moms are like, hey, you you used to be romantic. You used to chase us. You know, this is, they're adults. They get to make these choices. And then it gets like racist really quick. Like the the white people are basically like saying some you know, pretty classic conservative dog whistles about like, you don't have any culture. And, you know, we're, why are you making us like burn out here in the sun? And like, you know, guacamole isn't culture. And then like, Salma Hayek's parents are like, well, like, you know, you came, the West came and stole land from Mexico and like they're just they get into this like colonial argument and I honestly don't remember what specifically triggered it the tension was right there on the surface I do you remember the statement that triggered all of it no I don't because that whole scene I was just like "Ah, I don't want to listen too hard to this Yeah, yeah it was just very tense and of course Matthew Perry doesn't correct his parents in the moment when they're saying racist stuff and Selma Hayek is horrified because, like, the things that her parents say are true. They're just like, uh, what the hell are you talking about? Like, we do have culture, and how dare you come here and be rude to us? And his parents are just being, like, total assholes. Yeah. So then Salma Hayek and Matthew Perry get in a fight, and she's just, like, calling out, calling him out for not having a backbone, calling him out for not ever really telling her anything about his family. And he's like, I don't even like them. Like, we're not even friends. And she's like, okay, what do you want me to do with that? And then he's just like, I want to go back to New York. Like, why don't you come to New York with me? And like, he's just like, Nevada is just full of people who want to gamble. And 
And she's like, okay, well, country clubs are all the country clubs you build are full of racists. And I was like, wow, okay, oh my it's getting God, real. Drag him, queen. Like, and he's like angry about her being religious. She's like, why are you so mad that I want to raise our kid Catholic? And he's just like, because religion is the opiate of the masses. He sounds very Bill Maher here. Oh my <laughs> God, the masses. Like, it's like American, American Catholicism and Mexican Catholicism, like, there's different stuff going on there. For like, sure. you know, I don't know if we're going to like talk shit about, I don't know. We should just leave it on the white people here. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, the, this movie is so strange because it's just like, it, the question, like the premise is essentially, what if you thought a white man was cute and you thought, I could be with him sure i'm sure that he does i'm sure that he can't dance i'm sure that he would do like cute little things i'm sure that he would be a doofy and devoted father and because he's white he's gonna be a little bit more like anxious about doing things like this idea of like wouldn't it be funny to marry a white man and as a person who has asked myself this question i can say with certainty it's not like like if that's if that's where you're beginning (laughs) yeah like if that's the starter question then you know you could probably do without you could probably do without like i mean of course they end up together because this that's how these movies work but like like when we say that there's no reason for her to be with him the only reason is wouldn't it be funny if I had a white husband and I know that this might seem like I'm like being like reductive here, but I'm really not. (laughs) No, that's really what the tune, like, like there's moments of the movie that feel like they're very much trying to channel, like guess who's coming to dinner like that. You know, it's a very, like we are interracial, which like that is a, yes, that is a thing. Yeah. But it, but there are moments, and, and I do think this movie does a good job in certain moments of showing the realities of that and the issues that can come up. But but there are moments where it's very just like, will I like this white guy? Or like, will I be able to marry this incredible Mexican woman? And it's like, I don't know, y'all, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, you. I mean, you can tell that this is a movie written and directed by white people who like, are clearly like respectful of the idea of interracial relationships, but are coming at it from a place of such like adorable curiosity (laughs) that it's almost like they forgot to give their relationship any real meat to it. So yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, it's like, (laughs) yeah, there's like a monologue that Salma Hayek makes at one point after their fight they have like a picnic and then she like tells this parable of these squirrels that grow up on different sides of the canyon and how they look different but ultimately at the end of the day they're squirrels and it's supposed to be you know a metaphor for being in an interracial intercultural relationship and I mean yeah it's it's fine it's just it is very much starting and stopping at can we hold hands and you know get over our differences and love each other which is sure but for an actual romantic relationship there's a lot more than that compatibility is complex yeah (laughs) you know and the day-to-day is complex 
So it, it feels like they're very much at, wow, I like you. And we grew up different. Yeah, yeah. And of course, they have a whole like breakup thing. And the breakup thing is essentially him just being like, I have to take this job and you don't take it seriously. And then suddenly he's just like, you know, I just like put a $5 ring on your finger at like a chapel with L. It's just like he he has to try really, really hard to justify the fact that like he's doing something that's really of no value except to his wallet. <laughs> and, and he's trying to justify it by getting rid of this like beautiful woman. And like, so she like realizing like, oh, he might not be the one. She tells him that she lost the baby, but of course she didn't because we, we've seen this live before. And she goes to Mexico to um, stay with her great-grandmother great-mother her great-grandmother yeah and to have the child and he tries to return to whiteness and then that white girl shows up and she's just like oh my god like why don't we all go sailing together like your family and my family and their families are just like so excited and she's so excited and she has this look on her face like i have finally snared the white man that i've been wanting to snare and also, he's gotten served divorce papers and he has like a certain amount of time to contest it and he's running out of time and like there's just like a whole thing. And then he's he sees like a little he sees a little girl. Yeah, he sees a little girl and she has the same name as Salma Hayek. Yeah, it's just and he's just like, oh, shit, I want this. And then so then he has to break it off with the white girl, which I thought it was really like understated like once again this is a movie that like doesn't really have any real like real external conflict because he just like whispers something in her ear and she's just like she's devastated but she's still smiling like she like she understands like I think before she was like curious about their relationship but I think at that point when she's getting on the helicopter without him she's just like okay this is this is his truth and like I can finally give up and I mean like good for her and it's also just like you're about to go sailing everybody's just gonna be talking shit about him <laughs> it's like she'll be fine on that yeah day. she's just gonna be like fuck him and she will and she will bounce back and find another white man and so then he goes to Mexico to find Selma Hayek and she's not in Mexico then he has to go back to Nevada and then it's and then you know and then they have the baby like in the street like her water breaks while they're like arguing <laughs> and it's like supposed to be this beautiful moment and i'm like just thinking about how uncomfortable it must be for her like there's a moment where like she's in the middle of giving birth and he's you know they're trying to catch up on what happened when they were apart and how much they missed each other and she's like telling him how much she missed him while she's giving birth and i'm like just let her breathe sir <laughs> Like, I get that it's cinema, but I'm like, let her breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they, they, of course, they have, they end up together and. They have a proper, they have a proper wedding because they're already divorced because he took too long (laughs) to come get her. So then like her family gets the, gets like the big wedding that they wanted. And then he, and then they moved to New York, which like, (laughs) okay. Um, (laughs) Sure. Uh, And, and yeah. And then it's just like, that was a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's cute. 
I, I definitely, it's like on that line where I don't necessarily recommend it. It's not, it's not one of the movies we've covered where I'm like, okay, yes, you actually need to see this, but I'm not, I don't think that people are going to be angry if they see it. There's a lot of really cute aspects. I enjoyed my time yeah, watching of it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. It's, it's all right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's a movie. Like, we don't even really need to, like, you can watch it. Like, it's like, it's on, it's on like Prime, you know, you can like space out, you know, I don't, I've said, you know, like four times, you know, just watch, <laughs> I said it again. Just, just, just watch it, man. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Just watch it. It's okay. <laughs> and if you're listening to this, you know, it's the holidays are all. See now, see now I have you saying all... it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I hope that you're like doing whatever you need emotionally to get through the next six weeks because they tend to be emotionally loaded for people in very different ways. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people feel sad. Some people feel nothing. I hope that you are remembering to still drink your water, even though it's cold out and it's easier to forget and do whatever you need to get through the weird like 4 p.m. night that we are in right now. Yeah. And if you are listening to this and you're not part of our Patreon and you want to hear all of our delicious bonus episodes about erotic thrillers or the OC or How I Met Your Mother, then we'd love to have you on the Patreon. And if you want to leave us a review, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love positive feedback. If you have negative feedback, I think you should keep that between you and your therapist because Jordan and I already have enough of that in our own brains. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye.